Welcome to the Destination Discipline Podcast. I'm your host, Gage Harness. This podcast is about diving into the lives of individuals who want more out of themselves and life, sharing stories and exposing the highs and lows of individuals and their journey in becoming the best versions of themselves. It is our mission to give you optimal information over topics on mindset, fitness, nutrition, personal development, entrepreneurships, and fresh perspectives to help you become the best version of yourself. Now, let's jump into it. Welcome back to the Destination Discipline Podcast. I'm your host, Gage Harness, and today we have a very special guest, Mr. Lewis Montoya. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, man. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, it's a little different seeing you through a screen instead of in person, like last week. I know. I'm so glad we got to meet in person because it makes it even better. It does. And I'm going to be honest, like whenever I was showing up, and I guess a backstory for people listening, um, it was the 10 year anniversary down in Austin, Texas for the Bear Performance Nutrition. And I did, I'm from Kansas and I decided to go. And Lewis is from California, right? Yep. Yep. And uh, we met up. And on my drive there, I was kind of thinking about like, I wonder who is going to be really cool and super nice. And like everybody there was really cool in their own way yeah absolutely uh, i feel the same way yeah and you and tony definitely stuck out in my eyes i'm gonna be honest because i was like they they understand me yeah honestly tony has been a huge influence for me too because um like when i followed him and i saw that he was an ambassador um and like saw his story like i was so inspired by him i had already like been through my journey of weight loss but knowing that he also went through his own weight loss story like that really connected with me and we became really good friends through instagram first and then i've met him in person several times now so he's a great friend yeah he is he's it's incredibly inspiring i i found him little after i started losing weight and then it really just kind of clicked with me that it was possible but absolutely But uh, before yeah, I'm, we get excited, to... I'm excited to like actually find out like about your story. Um, I know you lost weight, but I don't know like how it all started. Yeah, and I can talk about that um, in the middle. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, how about you just tell us and the listeners just a, a little bit about yourself and who you are? Yeah, so I am 27 years old. Um, I weighed 308 pounds three years ago. So um, that was March of 2019 was when I was my heaviest. I was weighing 308 pounds and fast forward to today, um, I've been through an incredible weight loss journey and I've been able to sustain my weight loss. Um, I've become a marathoner runner and currently I'm bodybuilding. Um, So I'm looking to compete and maybe the classic physique. I'm not sure yet, but sometime next summer. Um, so I think I'm looking at the summer shredding events next year in Houston, but yeah, it's been an incredible journey. Mm. And by sustaining, you were jacked. You're a big guy. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Man, that's yeah. a huge compliment. Yeah, yeah of course. I, I never, never would have expected in my life to be called Jack. So thank you. 
There you go. I, I'm waiting for that compliment. One day, I just get tall and big. That's pretty much <laughs> the compliments for me. Dude, but, you um, got to use that weight to your advantage. Like, if I knew what I knew now, man, I would be so much more ripped than I am right now. <laughs> yeah, and we should we'll get into that. That's actually one of the questions I have. But it's ironic that you said March of 2019 because that is the time I started losing my weight was really? March, April. Yeah. No um, way. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. And I didn't do it the correct way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but anyways, I thought it was really ironic that that's where, that's when you started and I started as well. So, I mean, it's funny that you say like, didn't do it the right way because I feel like a lot of us don't really do it the right way when we're first trying out how to lose weight. Right. I mean, there's such a huge learning curve to losing weight i mean it's it seems like it's so easy right like oh eat less calories than you burn but it goes more it goes a lot deeper than that right it's a lot mental um i think i would say like 90 percent of it's mental like you really have to have the right mindset to do it you have to have a reason of why you want to do it and most of all you want to want to do it for yourself not because someone told you like hey you need to lose weight right you have to want it for yourself that's the number one thing yeah, it is like, <clears throat> like once you get the mindset down and especially the why, I think the why was the reason why I could lose all that weight. Yep. It wasn't a great way. It wasn't, or it wasn't a great why. There was a lot of things going into it. Um, long story short, the relationship with my father is really bad. It's gotten better, but that sparked a lot of it. And then I met a girl and you know how high school goes and... <laughs> Um, yeah, and I was just always bigger, but I'm kind of curious, and this leads right into my first question, which is, could you talk about, you know, maybe even prior to March of 2019 and kind of your progression through all of it? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I've been through quite a crazy life journey, but I'm actually Colombian. So, um, my family originates from South America, Colombia, um so we migrated to this country when i was turning five years old um so as you can imagine like moving away to another country it's kind of scary um you're entering a new school system in a completely different language so i had to learn english quickly and that's you know i I mean that's my childhood but learning english was my second language most people wouldn't even expect that because i speak it very well now but um yeah growing up um you know my family was fairly poor so um we never really had you know like that high quality diet like wholesome food it was always like your cheap like carbs breads processed foods um you know the diet was just not great and i mean my parents would have home cooked meals and by parents i mean my mom and stepdad because my dad lives in colombia um but yeah like i mean the food quality just wasn't great right um and i wasn't like terribly obese as a child um i actually was fairly normal weight but in my teen years i i not even teen years before teen years like i would say middle schools when i started getting a little chunkier and i always held on to weight really quickly um more than my peers or friends like I somehow always have been able to put on weight very fast. Um, and that can be a curse or a blessing, right? If you know how to use it in your favor. And obviously, um, I didn't really understand how to use that in my favor. 
um, I, kn- I remember there was a time in middle school, like eighth grade, where I took a weights class. And that was probably like the best shape I've ever been in because I was able to use like my ability to gain weight and lift weights. And I was like in fairly good shape. And in middle school, I was fairly active. Like I did track, um, basketball. So growing up, like I always had sports as a background. Um, and then my true love for sports came when I was introduced to volleyball. Um, so I played volleyball growing up all the way through middle school and high school. Um, I got so good at it that I helped, um, kind of help coach the varsity team in high school, uh, for the girls team as only a freshman, I would like go in and train with them. Um, cause my high school didn't have a guys volleyball team because Nevada for some reason just didn't have any guys team. So I'd, you'd have to go to like California if you wanted to play, which I couldn't because my family couldn't afford um, so I got like super good at volleyball. Like I even had like colleges reaching out um, because I would send them like film of me like playing and I would reach out and be like, hey, I'm interested in walking in. I graduate this year, blah, blah, blah you know. Um, but by my senior year of high school, um, my parents, they um, it was during the 2008 like um, kind of economy crash. So my parents had lost, foreclosed their home. Um, we had to move again and I had to go to a different high school for my senior year. And that to me was so depressing. I mean, I lost all my close friends. Um, volleyball was like my number one thing. I mean, I did track as well in high school and that was fun. I, I did like um, just short distance sprinting. Um, so I was, you know, in really good shape throughout high school. And then senior year hit and that move for me just crushed me like I no longer played any sports all I focused on was school and I was very stressed on figuring out how I was going to get into college and be able to pay for it because I know my parents weren't going to be able to pay for it Mm. so it was kind of this weird like thing for me where it's like oh my gosh now I have to focus strictly on academics and get the best grades like possible to try to get scholarships and, you know, things to help me pay for college. So I completely stopped playing sports senior year. And that's when I started gaining weight. Um, I was stressed. And of course, I went to food. And that was my comfort. Um, So I think by senior year of high school, I was already weighing like 250 pounds. Um, So it was pretty crazy. Like in in like freshman to junior year, I was always around like 190 to 210 pounds. Like I was fairly like fit, but like I always was able to carry like weight. Mm-hmm. And then the weight just racked on my senior year, like, you know, and I wasn't educated on nutrition. Um, I mean, I had the sports background and I knew that exercise was good for you, but I had no idea on how to feed myself or fuel myself properly. So that goes into college, right? Um, I end up getting into the school I wanted to. Um, and what ended that was finances. So I couldn't, I had some scholarships to cover half of my tuition every semester. And then it turned out, you know, my parents would have to take out a loan for the rest of the other half. And I just didn't want to put my parents in that kind of stress, knowing they already struggle financially. So my only option for that was to enroll into my community college for that summer because I didn't apply in time for the state's uh, university school. So my first semester, I went to a community college. 
And then I transferred over to the state school um, in Reno. So that's where I, my alma mater, University of Nevada, Reno. And those, I would say it was five and a half years I took me to finish my degree. So I have a degree in electrical engineering and a minor's in mathematics and a, an emphasis in biomedical engineering. So as you can tell, like I always was very determined to like find a way out of poverty through education. Like I thought that was the only way out for me. So I put my all into it and neglected absolutely every aspect of fitness and health. And I have you are you in college? I'm not sure. Or did you already go? Uh, or I'm pursuing uh uh firefighting right now. Okay. So, so I've went to school and yeah. So yeah, so you wouldn't you wouldn't understand what I'm going to tell you, but going through undergraduate degree, especially in the in the degree like engineering, it is one of the most intense degrees to go after. Um, any STEM science field engineer would know, but mm -hmm. it they they really whip you into shape when you're an, un, an undergrad in STEM. So for me, it was just so stressful, like. First of all, I was living at home throughout throughout all of college. So I was commuting. I didn't have a car. So I would take the bus from home from one city to the other. It was an hour bus drive. Um, so I had to do that two times a day. That's two hours and a half of commuting around um, on top of a long like seven, six, seven a.m. day to 7 p.m. day, right, of school and then having to study after. So like I was mm -hmm. sleeping an average of maybe four hours a day, five, if I was lucky. Um, so it was just a grind to get to school. Um, for me, it wasn't enjoyable at all. Like I never went out partying. Um, I didn't do anything. I literally just tried to survive. I was in survival mode in school. Like mm -hmm. I, for me, like people might think like, oh, like you have an engineering degree. You're so smart. And it's like, for me, it was like, I had to work really hard to even get an engineering degree right to some people yeah. i'm a little more natural but for me i had to put in a ton of work to become an engineer um i was pretty good at math naturally so that kind of helped a bit but engineering mm -hmm. is just another beast so through college i mean i didn't realize it but i was becoming depressed super anxious i mean over the board like always anxious and just not happy and i could tell like food that I was eating, it was just like in massive amounts. And, um, you know, you're, you're so focused on school, you're stressed. And I didn't know how to release that. And food was like the only way like, I could find release. So I was eating excessive amounts of food, a lot of fast food. Um, even if it was home cooked meals, my family would have a normal one portion size, and I would have like, two portions or maybe even th thirds right when it absolutely wasn't necessary but mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realize these like habits that I was forming um and I think it's the way I dealt with the stress of like you know trying to survive school and um so yeah over those five years I just packed on all that weight so I went from like 250 or 200 pounds like uh, freshman year of high school mm -hmm. which was like my normal weight and then gained like 30 40 pounds up to senior year and then gained up a ton more all the way throughout college so reaching the peak of my like last semester of school before i became an engineer was like 308 pounds so 
I mean, that that's basically like how I ended up being overweight. Like, and I never was this big throughout my life, but it, it happened in the last like 10 years of, of like high school to, um, through college is when I gained that weight the most. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's how I ended up 308 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that's crazy. And in some ways really relatable. Um, it just kind of sounds like it was always there. And so like, <clears throat> I was really fortunate. My family, we never really had to worry about money. We've mm -hmm. all been like pretty middle-class, but we also live in Kansas. So things are a lot cheaper. I feel like compared to up to there, up to there. But, mm -hmm. um, I think it's really honorable that you said that instead of going to the school you wanted to go to, you backed off and did community college to help out your folks. So I just wanted to say, way to go on that that's says a lot about your character <laughs> and then the other thing is like stress eating and binge eating yep. is my biggest problem and when i talk to tony that's what he said as well yes and it's it's crazy because <clears throat> some people that i talk to um like people i've interviewed prior to this or like even my mom today or just family and myself is we're just not very educated on the nutrition side of things because mm -hmm. I feel like growing up for me, I mean, I could work out. I played all the sports possible except football. I wish I would have played um, all the sports possible, all of that. And I could work myself to death. But like when it came to eating, it was almost like my getaway instead of just eating to eat because right. there's just so much stress mm -hmm. building up from just my family's divorce relationship with my dad relationship with myself bullies all of that i don't really want to get too far into it um but yeah like food was my escape kind of like it sounds yeah. like maybe i absolutely one. relate to that and you know i i kind of told you like the main reason of why i gained weight but i mean there's also for me um probably won't go deep into it but also a lot of childhood trauma that i went through um you know i also wasn't very close with my dad he lives in Colombia, So like having that separation as a kid from him, mm -hmm. um, I had a lot of like resentment because he was never there for me. Um, I mean, we were in different countries, right? So it wasn't really possible. Yeah. So I always had this feeling like, oh, like my dad doesn't love me. He doesn't really care for me. Um, so that also built a lot of kind of resentment trauma. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, I think we all go through through things in life, like growing up especially childhood trauma, I think that affects you later on in your adult life. And if you don't really deal with those demons, um, you really can't heal. Like you have to face them head on. And that's probably something that I was probably the hardest part of my journey was like knowing what triggered all of those points in my life to like end up to being 308 pounds. Mm -hmm. So I like, guess um, not being able to go to my dream school was crushing, losing volleyball, my favorite sport ever like that was my identity volleyball like I loved it to death mm -hmm. um and then of course all the childhood trauma um being in the poverty um household so many aspects right that can attribute to where you end up as an adult um and us as the adult it's our it's in our responsibility to now take that trauma and say okay I accept it and now I need to find ways to fix it because a lot of us find ourselves staying stuck and like 
just go back to blaming all this stuff like, oh, I am in this position because this happened or because I grew up this way or because someone did this to me, right? And yes, they had an influence in that, but now you are an adult. You get to take that and make something better out of it. So mm -hmm. I always like to say like, take adversity and turn it into something positive. Um, and it's all your responsibility at this point in life if you want to make a change. So, mm -hmm. um, I, but once you, I mean, I'm sure we'll go into, but then I can tell you what sparked the whole journey. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll dive in that. And dude, I, I 100% agree. You know, I'm only 20, but I'm starting to realize as I get older that, I mean, there's, there's a very specific reason why certain things happen to us and it's just, you know, it's on us on whether we want to look at it as a good or bad thing. And I want to take yeah. back any yep. of the the trauma, any of the problems or the way I lost weight, any of that. I want to take any of it back because it all taught me something about myself and who I don't yes. want to be, you know. But, you know, yeah, now that absolutely. we kind of, oh, yeah. But now that we kind of talked about, you know, your, your upbringing, um, what you've went through, the stress eating, building up to the 308, right? It was 308. Yep. 308 pounds. 308 <laughs> <Big pounds. boy. laughs> yeah. yeah. And how tall are you? Just so people can kind of. I'm 5'11". You're 5'11". Yeah. Yeah. So you're, yeah. It, that's pretty large. I'm not going to lie. Um, I am a large man. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're jacked. Remember? Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So how about you talk about what, why did you just make the change what sparked it for you yeah that that is the deep question um so like i mentioned earlier in the podcast march of 2019 um was one of the most life-changing moments for me um and my entire family so march of 2019 i remember this day vividly um i woke up early in the morning like 6 a.m my internal body clock was already like set because of work. I mean, working, you work like seven to five or whatever. Um, and so I was used to waking up early and I woke up early on like a, I think it was Saturday, March 9th, Mar whatever, March 9th, like then on a Saturday, I believe. Um, and I, I had this like urgency to like go visit my mom. Cause at this point in time, I had already moved out of the house and started my first engineering job and actually lived with roommates but i was close by to my mom she was like maybe a 10 minute drive from me so we were always relatively close to each other but i had been in a very busy time at work during that month and i hadn't seen my mom in a bit and i was like and i woke up that morning and i was like man i want to take my mom to breakfast so i call my mom early in the morning and she's like dead asleep she's like why are you calling me this early lewis and I'm like, mom, I really want to go to breakfast with you. Can you please wake up and like, let's go, like get ready. And she's like, okay, I'll start getting dressed. And um, so she, she gets ready and I drive over and pick her up and I'm like, Hey, this new breakfast place just opened up. Like, let's go grab breakfast there. Um, so we go there and um, we try to, I mean, it was just open. So there was a lot of people. So you had to wait in line. And so we got like, you know, those little like, deeper buttons that tell you when your table's ready so yeah. we got one of those and we kind of just sat in the car waiting um so we got on the wait list i mean just like the most normal day right 
nothing out of the blue, nothing out of the ordinary. And we're just catching up on life. And so we finally go into the restaurant. We get called in to sit down. Um, and then we order food. Um, and during the food, like, my mom's telling me how proud she is of me and, like, how much I've accomplished in life and how much I've done for myself as a professional. And, um, and I mean, it was just a great conversation, catching up with her mom, like, any other day, right? Mm-hmm. But then after we have breakfast, we wrap up. And my mom's like, oh, hey, I wanted to like go walk around the stores a bit. And I wanted to get your little sister like a speaker because she loves to listen to music in the bathroom when she showers. <laughs> so we go to, I think we went to like Best Buy and um, she bought my little sister like this little speaker for the bathroom. I mean, we're walking around and my mom's just like, oh, man, I, I've been really tired lately from work. She's like, I've been feeling this like excessive tiredness for like a couple weeks now. And I was like, mm, maybe you really need to rest, mom. Um, maybe try to take some time off. Uh, but really just thought it was like that normal, like work, stress, tiredness. Mm-hmm. Didn't think anything of it, right? I mean, at this point, we had no idea what was coming. Um, so the day we end up finishing shopping, whatever, we drive back to her house and we sit down on her couch and watch some YouTube videos. Um, I, I remember, I think it was, we were watching like, um, vloggers or people that like traveled to Colombia and, or like hmm. are trying to learn like Spanish in the country. I don't know. We were watching a bunch of weird YouTube videos, um, and just laughing and having a good time. Yeah. Um, so then I think it was like around 5 PM or six. So I was like, okay, mom, I'm, I'm going to let you rest. You can like take a nap or something. And I'm going to head to my house. So we said our goodbyes and I was like, okay, I'll see you later. Give her a hug. And she's like, oh, I'm just going to stay on the couch and sleep here for a bit because I'm so tired. Like, okay, yeah, have a good nap on your couch. Um, So I drive home and I I start like just like winding down, watching TV. I think I was online like shopping for a new jacket for the winter. Um, And... I think six or seven p.m. rolls around. So this was only like two hours, maybe three in that time frame. And I get a call from my stepdad, and he says, "Lewis, I think your mom is having a heart attack." And, whew, and in that moment, I I remember, like I said, "Are you serious?" And and he's like. I'm rushing to the hospital now. Go to the house, pick up your sisters and get there. And I just remember like blacking out and like my drop, my phone drops and I pick it up and literally just put on like a sweater, whatever I was wearing. I had no idea. Yeah. And I like go to the living room and tell my friends or my roommates. I was like, I have to go. My mom is being rushed to the hospital. I didn't even have time to explain anything. Right. So I just dropped the bomb on them and I leave. And immediately I'm like sprinting down to get to my sister's house. She was there with her boyfriend at the time, picked her up. I was crying of like panic because I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, my mom thinks she's having a heart attack. Like when you hear that, you you know, it's not good, right? Yeah. So I'm just bawling, like hyperventilating. I was like, how can this happen? Like literally was just with her like a few hours ago had a completely normal day like I don't know what's going on um 
So I couldn't even drive. My sister's boyfriend had to drive us because her and I were like vividly just like shaking. Um, so we get to the hospital finally. And that's when I, or I think on the way to the hospital is when I call my older sister who lives like 40 minutes out from where we are. And I tell her, I'm like, mom is being rushed to the hospital right now. We don't know what's going on, but please get here as soon as possible. And that's when my sister, she was, I remember her telling me in that moment, she was in the shower. Um, so she like had soap in her hair, like literally threw water, put clothes on and sprinted down 40 minutes, like down um, to get to Carson. She lives in Reno. She and drove to Carson Tahoe Hospital, mm-hmm. sprinting, like speeding all the way down. Luckily, none of us got pulled over during any of those speed stunts. But um so my my stepdad, the reaction he took to pick her up when she was collapsing at home. Oh, wait, let me back up a little bit. But so what happened was she had taken a nap on the couch. And then when she stood up to go put her phone to charge, immediately as she she tells us a story, she says when she plugs in her phone, immediately she feels her like chest compress and her like her back being stabbed and she like collapsed. And that's when she says she literally felt like someone was suffocating her. Like her breath was just leaving her body. Like, and she was like turning like purple. No oxygen was flowing to her body. Wow. It was, I mean, the most horrific thing that you could ever, I mean, I didn't see it happen to her in that moment, but I can only imagine how my stepdad and sister felt because they were there with her when it happened. And she yelled. And that's when they like came, he picked her up and immediately the reaction he took is like straight to the hospital because he didn't want to call an ambulance. He just like, let's take her now. This is bad. And Mm -hmm. that, that action that he took saved her life because what my mom had happened to her was an aortic dissection. It's a type A descending aortic dissection. If anyone knows anything about the anatomy of the heart, the aorta is your main valve to every organ in your body. Um, so she was literally hanging by a thread of her aorta before she died. And that moment that my stepdad took her to the hospital and got her there is what saved her. Because if they would have waited for paramedics to get to um, our house in that those few minutes that they would have taken to get there, she would have died. And so that was our like when when he got her to the hospital, they took her in. and. This waiting period was very, very scary because they didn't know what was going on with her mom. She was complaining of chest pain, back pain, like all the symptoms of a heart attack, right? So the emergency doctors are hooking her up to an EKG to get readings of her heart signals. Mm -hmm. And and they're like, your heart signals are completely fine. Like, are you okay? Like, we don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And my mom's like, I can't breathe. Like she was begging them to give her some type of oxygen and like something to numb the pain because she and she said it felt like a knife being stabbed in her back and then like being choked at the same time. Like, can you imagine that feeling and mm-hmm. not being able and just like trying to hang on? Yeah. And no, no one would help her. And then we were just freaking out. Like someone please help my mom. Like she's literally in pain. She can't breathe. She's turning purple. Like so you guys need to do something. Mm -hmm. in like a 20 25 minute time period i think that's excessive like they should have put it immediately into a ct scan but they say 
I don't want to get into the whole thing, but they were like, oh, 20 minutes is actually pretty fast to determine what your mom had. And I was like, no, it's not. Um, so anyways, she gets it put into the CT scan and the guy, I think it's called a radiologist. I don't know. Yes. The guy that reads the images of the CT scan, he, his face just, I'm like, and he's like, I know what's going on. Calls the surgeon on call and says, I have an aortic dissection on a uh, 37-year-old or, yeah, 47-year-old woman. Um, like, you need to get here now. You're the only one that can do the surgery. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, he lives like five minutes from the hospital. I'm, I'm telling you, like, every little detail that happened up to where my mom was, like, it was a blessing. It's yeah. just, you can't explain it. Like, every single odd she beat. And I mean, that's just God, in my opinion. Like, that was all God. Yeah. I mean, yes, medicine did help too, but like to get her to that point, it was all God. And so the surgeon flies down or like gets there in five minutes. And immediately my mom is now being told she is going into open heart surgery. Hmm. And that's when they told us your mom has less than like, they said the odds to even get here are less than 30%, I believe is the percentage. And then they said, but now that that's what you hope you have to hang on to because it gets a little bit worse. Like the odds yeah. just keep going down as you go into surgery. Um, and I think the survival rates are somewhere around like 25%, maybe lower 10%. Yeah. And then like surviving post-surgery is like another, like less than who knows, I don't know, crazy percentages. Insane. So all in, all that's going on in our heads is like, oh my God, this could be the last moment um, that we ever get to see my mom again. And, yeah. you know, right now I would be crying normally telling this story, but I've told it so much to so many people that I'm kind of like, I've gotten through that emotion um, mm-hmm. and I'm able to calmly tell it. But no, normally I would just like, I can't even get through the story. Um, but um, yeah, no, so she, so we say like, we're in the room with my mom. The surgeons tell us like, hey, you guys have to say goodbye. Um, this could be the last chance. Tell her everything you wow. want to say. Um, and in that moment, I just remember like, I just couldn't believe it. I was like, this can't be my mom. Like, how can my mom be dying right now? And I, I couldn't accept it. Like, I was like, this can't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember holding on to my mom's hands and oh my God, dude, so hard. To think back to that moment i try to i try to not think about it because it makes me want to cry but yeah um yeah that that was holy crap <laughs> that was one of the hardest moments and i think probably the biggest point in my life where i made a huge change mentally and yeah that's that moment is where i said oh my god if my mom doesn't survive this like i don't know what i'm gonna do like i can't survive without my mom yeah and Damn. so thankfully i'm here to tell the story but um she made it out alive after like 12 i think 15 hours something like crazy of, of surgery um and that that is when i was like oh my god if my mom be every single odd to get to this side and she survived this like why can't i do you know something like that like i could survive anything i'm going through like I, I will no longer complain about anything. Like anything that I do will never surmount to the amount of pain that my mom went through that day. And 
that's when I, I knew like, holy crap, like I, I have to make a change for me or I could end up worse than my mom. Mm-hmm. You know? Like I'm only, I think at the time, this is three years ago, the seven, six, five, 24 years old. And that's when I said, Oh my gosh, I, if I don't make a change now, I could end up like my mom or worse. Um, yeah. That was when the biggest change happened. I was like, all right, it's time. Um, and so that's when I was like, okay, we're going to start trying to work out every day. Um, start changing my food. I had no idea about nutrition or anything. Right. So mm-hmm. I, I did have a little bit of fitness background from school sports, but that's about it. Um, so my mom gets discharged from the hospital. Um, I think a week later, the surgeons, the nurses, everyone said the, how fast she recovered is like not normal. Like she is a superhero, like being able to go through open heart surgery, literally from here down to like the top of her mid stomach and then to the left pec all opened and then chest cracked opened aorta re reconstructed and then closed back up right all in 15 hours and it was just like a miracle like even the doctors the nurses like everyone was just like wow like this is not seen in a female of her age like it's normally seen in someone that's a male in like their 80s right it's such a scariest thing to see like an aortic dissection is just one of the rarest things that can happen yes um so yeah, my mom going through that experience and almost losing her is why I am where I am today talking to you. Um, she is my hero and the reason why I was able to transform my entire life. So yeah. she means the world to me. <laughs> Dude, that was powerful. I had I had goosebumps like two or three times in the middle of that yeah um, i tried i try to like hold back the tears and i've told this so many times but somehow the emotions like oh they just come back i it's hard not to keep those away like i've never heard that story i knew like your background a little bit with it but i'm i'm a registered emt and i remember sitting in class one day <clears throat> and my instructor was a paramedic and he talked about a patient he had um they had a this descending aortic dissection and sometimes it can push it can actually go all the way down your stomach and your stomach will have like a fat knot and a heartbeat on itself yep and that guy actually unfortunately he passed away like 15 seconds like after he showed up they just watched it explode basically and to hear that dude yeah it's literally the survival chances when you have an aortic dissection either ascending or descending i I think descending has uh i think my mom's ascending type a and type b is descending but one they're both terrible one i think one the one my mom has is not controllable because it happens like abruptly Mm. and you don't you don't have signs really where i think the other one if you catch it in time you can control it through medication and maybe like a pr- a planned surgery it's not like an emergency surgery right mm. so there's like two types and it sounds to me like the guy he had was also like the emergency type um yeah i, I have no idea but i couldn't imagine even with thinking about my mom and going through something similar to that 
that's yeah. just it's, it's incredible true. man i yeah that's yeah that's it's crazy. it's it was the most i mean the most pivotal time in life where i like it changed me completely like i can't even explain it i mean it's it's like a flip just switches right and mm-hmm. i literally was like boom i'm a whole different person like it's game time like i need to fight for my health i have to fight yeah. for if my mom fought to survive an aortic dissection and made it out i'm gonna fight for my health and yeah. she sparked everything in that and um while i give her a lot of the credit to helping me start it, i mean that that like in that motivation only lasts for so long right mm-hmm. so i took it and ran as much as with that motivation as good and that's where you really have to like learn and build your tool set in order to sustain that weight loss and build a sustainable lifestyle that you can continue on for the rest of your life right yeah so that could be like another part we get into on like how to sustain that weight loss and what mm-hmm. I did to get there. But yes, my mom absolutely was the point why I started. Yeah, that's, you were going right into my next question. This is going really well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so now you kind of, it's like your life just completely flipped. Like you said, yep. you know, your mom just recovered. You're probably extremely grateful, extremely motivated in that moment. Cause you're like, this is, you know, you're going to take it and run. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of curious, could you talk about, you know, what were those steps that you started to take? Cause you know, you started working out every day. You had no idea about nutrition, right? But could you talk about your journey from 308 yes. to what 180 and now where you're and on now looking again for bodybuilding? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So Sweet. man, it's a wild story. So my mom gets discharged from the hospital, right? Like in a week. And then I, at this point had already been a full-time engineer. And I had a work trip that I was put on two weeks after my mom had been discharged. And this trip wasn't just any kind of trip. It was out of the country to China. So I had to leave my mom, who had just recovered from an open heart surgery that she almost died in, Mm -hmm. and went on a work business trip where I had to leave for a month and a half. Right. So this is where I was truly tested. Right. My mindset, everything was tested in this in this moment of time from when I left my mom after being discharged to being in another country. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, it was not easy at all. Like when I tell you it was hard, it was like panic attacks daily. I started developing severe anxiety, like more than usual, even more than college. Like I legit thought I was dying every day. I started, I started getting, you know, that like, I think it's called hypochondriac where you, you start like every little sense in your body is going off and you think you're dying. Right. Yeah. And I think I developed that because of the fear of what happened to my mom. Like every little thing in my body is like, oh my God, I'm going to die now. It's my turn to die. Jeez. And I mean, my mind was just haywire all while trying to stay professional on the job supporting an entire team back home because I was representing an entire team back home and I mean I was getting the work done but let me tell you it was the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life like mentally trying to work when I knew my mom was home and still in that recovery phase where something could happen right um so that that right there is where I I was like all right 
I know I want to I want to lose weight, but this is the time right now to I'm in another country. I have no other choice but to really control what I can control. Yeah. So I literally had like a check-in with myself, a really reality check-in. I was like, all right, what can I control to make this terrible situation better? And that's when I was like, I can start eating healthy. That's my choice, right? I get to choose what goes into my body. And then it kind of clicked. I was like, okay, we're going to do this. And I started, thankfully, at the hotel that I was at with work, they had um, they had healthy options. So like lots of veggies, lean proteins, fruits, whatever, water. Um, I had no idea about nutrition. I just heard my entire life, eat your veggies, you know, keep portions a little bit smaller and yeah. stay active, right? Everyone hears that. Yeah. I literally just took that and ran with it. I didn't know about macronutrients. Um, carbs, fats, proteins. What was that? No idea. <laughs> and yeah, no idea, which is crazy because now I'm like a freak about it. Yeah. Um, but I I remember that time frame working in China. I was working seven days a week nonstop because in the field that I was working in, it was, time was crucial, right? Mm-hmm. So I was working 10 hour days, seven days a week, like crazy hours. And my team back home was on a 16 time difference. So communication with them was I was going about to go to bed, sending off all the information, wake up. They'd be working throughout the day while I was sleeping, get the information and then, you know, cycle, boom, boom, boom. And so I had a very small time frame of working out after work because I was just so tired from work. So I would go straight from work. They'd have a bus that would charter us from the hotel to the work site. And I would get home after work or to the hotel, which is my home. (laughs) And I would go to the gym for, I think I started at 30 minutes a day. I told myself I can do 30 minutes. I was like, I can do anything for 30 minutes a day. Hmm. Um, I could not run obviously because so heavy, it would hurt my knees. Um, So I, I said elliptical, that's a little bit easier on the knees. I was obsessed with the elliptical dude i was that guy that was stuck on the elliptical doing it for hours i mean not when i first started but like i built my way up to where i was maxing out that elliptical to the max incline and speed right so i got so good at it right Mm -hmm. um so that's how that's like the thing i started was elliptical and just doing 30 minutes a day there and then eating healthier in china i lost 30 pounds while i was there just like that just dropped it cutting out all the junk food and really just eating nutritious foods and i didn't even know like anything about nutrition right yeah and i was like oh my god i guess this people are right if you eat healthier you do (laughs) i mean it's your it reflects your whole person like your body your mental state starts to change like it's crazy Mm -hmm. Uh, but during that like month it was i mean i still had that anxiety and panic right it was daily. Yeah. And the only time I felt like myself and like I can escape those feelings was when I was working out. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew there was something special in exercise because ne- every little pain, ache, anxiety, depression would go away when I was on that elliptical. And to me, that was the most life-changing thing is like, oh my God, like I started connecting and I was like, this makes me happy. And when I'm not on it, I feel terrible. Yeah. So I kind of got this addiction, right? You start 
your body starts changing. You get this addiction to getting those endorphins. And I mean, it completely changed my life. Like that month in China, even as hard as it was, finding that routine of like, okay, I'm working crazy hours, but I have that 30 minute window to work out. And that's 30 minute is my favorite time of the day because that's when I felt normal. I felt alive. Like I felt like I, I, you know, like I'm thriving when I'm on the elliptical. Um, And when I would get back from the hotel, from the gym, like immediately all those emotions, like would slowly start creeping back. Right. Um, and it was just the most crazy transformation, like in that small month frame. Mm-hmm. And then I, after that trip ended, finally made it back home. Um, everyone was like, oh my gosh, you look a little different. Like what happened? I was like, you don't want to know what happened, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah. I, I have lost some weight. <laughs> so you can only imagine what happened, right? It was either mm-hmm. I was so stressed that I stopped eating or it's because I, you know, I really like changed my mindset about exercise and eating healthy. So yeah. for me, like, um, I never, thankfully I never fell into like this, um, this crazy, like starvation thing. I know a lot of people like starve themselves. Thankfully I didn't go through that. I just knew that I had to control portions and mm-hmm. I definitely cut down size, but I ate enough to where it was not uncomfortable. Cause you know, you, you have that like starvation feeling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, w- I would eat enough to where I was kind of hungry, but um, not to the point where I was like, Oh my God, I can't even sleep or function. Right. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. go through that, which is really sad. Um, yeah. But yeah. So once I got back home, like I, it felt so nice to like people recognize like, oh, you, you're looking a little, you know, better. Like, wow, you've lost some weight. It looks good on you. And like, while that's nice for me, physical like appearance was never a thing. Like I never cared. Right. For me, it was more like mental because I fell in love with working out and in, in that month period in China, because it made me feel alive. It made me feel amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, I never even thought about the physical aspect. For me, it was just like, wow, I like how this makes me feel. Um, so that's when, I mean, I kept going to the gym every day. During my lunch breaks, I would go play ping pong. I would go on walks during like 15 minute breaks. I would try to get a mile walk in during lunch. Like I just started becoming so active again, like walking, playing ping pong. After work, I would go to the gym and hit the elliptical. I didn't touch a weight at this point. I didn't lift weights at all. Yeah. Um, I would do everything body workout. So it was like I would do elliptical and then I'd go do like some some ab workouts here and there. Um, I didn't know anything I was doing in the gym, right? Like, you know, when you show up to the gym and you're just like a complete noob, like you're just new yes. to it, right? We all go through this. That was yeah. me. I like, I mean, I had some experience because of like, I took weights in middle school and and high school. I did a weights class. So I knew a little bit about it, but I never took Mm -hmm. it serious. It was just like, oh, cool. Like, you know? Yeah. Um, And I just kept showing up. Literally, I didn't skip the gym for an entire year and a half. Day in, day out, seven days a week. That's how much my mom impacted me that I didn't skip the gym. Not saying that this is what everyone has to do, right? (laughs) Yeah. I, I obsessed with it, right? I was like, 
I am going all in on this. Like there's no turning back and no one's going to stop me. And mm-hmm. I completely eliminated all distractions and focused. I was laser focused. And I was like, nothing is stopping me from losing this weight. And I, I think I told myself, I was like, I want to get back down to my high school weight, 200 pounds. And that was always my goal in my head, right? Everyone that mm-hmm. loses weight wants to get to a number, which yeah. doesn't really matter. Um, but I remember going to my doctor when I came back from China because I was telling you how I like kind of became this hypochondriac where I was like, oh my God, everything's killing me. Um, so I went to the doctor for the first time, never had a primary doctor, which I highly recommend you get to everyone listening. Um, and this is where I truly like learned about blood pressure, um, blood test work or getting your blood work tested. Um, all of this crazy stuff that I never was educated on because my family just being in that poverty thing, you would never go to the hospital unless you were dying. Right. (laughs) So obviously I didn't even have a primary doctor. I had no idea about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is where I learned like my blood work, my blood pressure, where all my numbers are at, right? And they were awful. Like when I came back from China, they were not good. Really? Um, because I mean, at that point, I was still like very heavy obese. Yeah. Um, but I had only lost like 30 pounds. So I was, I mean, 308 minus 30, you do the math. It was still pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, so my doctor at the time, he says like, and he's like, oh, like you, you weighed 308 pounds and you lost 30 pounds. Like how'd you do it? And I told him my whole story and I, cause he went through with the history of what happened to my mom and blah, blah, blah. And he ran a bunch of tests to make sure like I was good. So he like checked my liver. Um, he checked like, um, things for diet, pre-diabetes, um, checked my cholesterol. Like he did the whole nine yards on everything. Right. And that's when he told me, he's like, Hmm, your liver levels are very high. Like extremely high um he's like are you an alcoholic (laughs) and i looked at him he's like and i was like no i don't drink right like i mean yeah i I party on occasion not often um and he's like what what does that mean often like once in a blue moon like he was getting he was like trying to dig deep to see if i was an alcoholic and i was like dude no (laughs) and um that, that that was just crazy to me. He's like, yeah, your liver lows are so bad that it looks like you're an alcoholic, <laughs> right? Isn't that terrifying? Like yes. I was going to the point where I was about to adapt, like get fatty liver, which is very dangerous. Um, so that's how much damage I had done only at 24 years old, which is, I mean, I probably would be dead in the next 10 years if I didn't change my life. Wow. Um, so that was very like alarming too i mean what happened to my mom was very alarming but getting all that test work test blood work done that scared the crap out of me because i was like oh my god like i'm now like being informed that my internal body is not doing too hot um so that just even motivated more to keep going right Mm -hmm. and so my doctor he's like i want to check in he's like i don't normally do this but i need to check on you every six months so usually it's like a year, right? No, he's like, no, you got to come in every six months mm-hmm. um, because he was pretty worried about my weight. Yeah. Um. So that's when I was like, I am so determined to get that blood work perfect and get all my levels. When I get this, this checked again in six months, it's going to be perfect. Yeah. So in six months, it would be a year after losing weight, right? I think so. Somewhere around there. Maybe yeah. under a year. 
Um, so yeah, so I kept showing up every single day, working out, eating healthier. I mean, I just went full sand on it, man. I can't even expect like people were like, I, I lost friends because of it. I stopped going out with people because of it. Um, I went extreme. Like I isolated myself and I think there's a lot of pros and cons to it. But I think for me, it was necessary. Like it was a time in life where I was like, I need to do this for me. I am sorry if, you know, I'm blocking you out. Like I stopped talking to so many people and it was just me, myself in the gym grind every day. And of course, like I had my roommates who were there and they would come and come and join me at the gym sometimes. Um, so, yeah, the, I just it was a switch. And I mean, most people are like, how do you find the discipline or like motivation to do that? And I had these huge life changing moments that like gave me that momentum. Yeah. And it just pushed me forward. Like, it, you know, that feeling where it's like sink or swim kind of feeling. Yeah, that's what those events in my life happened where my, I almost lost my mom. And then like having that blood work done, we're telling your doctor telling you like, hey, like, yeah, you have terrible results here. And yeah. combining those two together, that gave me enough motivation to where it threw me into a like a routine, right? And in those routines, I was able to start building discipline. Mm-hmm. And that's the key word, discipline. Yeah. Um, because the motivation will run out. It will run out for sure, right? So I only could take that motivation for so long. And then I was like, okay, well, when that's gone, like, I guess I don't want to go to the gym anymore, right? No, you you have to build consistently show up every day. And me showing up every single day and seeing the changes in my body, that is what kept me going, right? So, mm-hmm. and I documented all of it. Like, if yes. I think if you guys go to my Instagram, I have like a weight loss story and you can see like day in, day out, I was in the gym working out and you see me on the elliptical yeah. a lot. <laughs> and then finally, like down the months is when like, um, one of the fitness trainers saw me there and was like, whoa, like you're doing a great job here. And he's like, yeah, you should like start um, hitting the weights now that you've dropped some weight. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe I will start lifting more weights. And that's when I downloaded this app. It's not sponsored. It's called FitBod. And (laughs) basically you can, it gives you workouts to do. You can like say what gym equipment is available and it like gives you workouts, right? So that app, I use it till this day. So it's been three years of using this app and I just use it religiously even to track my bodybuilding now. But it's so cool because it has like, the workout you need to do and it has a video instructor so that you play the video and the instructor shows you how to do the lift or whatever the whatever exercise you're doing so that's how i taught myself how to do like compound movements lifting whatever whatnot um yeah and and that that was a game changer for me so eventually i went from elliptical and then started implementing some more like hit workouts um and then body weight stuff and then started doing getting into the weights a little slowly right but it was nothing mm-hmm. serious with weights it was just like here and there like whatever yeah um and then um let's see i did my first 5k and this was on a december um uh, my roommate was like hey it's november's coming around my sister and i are doing this uh turkey trot and she didn't even like ask me if I wanted to go. I was like, what? That sounds cool. I let's do it. She's like, really? Usually never say yes to like running. <laughs> so um, so we I'm like, yes, I'm signing up. I'm coming. And so I signed up for the, my first 5K that year. Um, we did the turkey top 
and I was hooked on running. Like being in that race environment and we had trained for it. Like I started running one mile and I could only run a mile at a time. I think we trained a few weeks ahead, but we didn't even like have a coach or anything. We were just running, right? We're like, all right, let's see if we can run up to three miles by the time the race comes. So I started obviously transitioning from the elliptical um, to start running and walking, right? So I started slow, just I would jog, walk, jog, walk, jog, walk. And then every week or every day, I would try to like push a little further every time until I could run a full mile without stopping. And just staying consistent in that, like slowly building up my aerobic base. I didn't even know what aerobic base was at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I started uh, being able to run longer. I wasn't very fast, but like I could, I could see myself like starting to really be able to push past a mile. And then I just remember that moment where I was like, I can do a mile really easy now. Let's push for two. And I did it. I pushed two miles nonstop. And that was like the biggest accomplishment I ever had. I was like, I can run two miles. What? Yeah. And that's when I, I mean, I got so addicted to running. Right. Um, and this was the time where I had found Nick bear. So it was like the Turkey trot. And then I, I found Nick bears YouTube channel and yeah. he it's crazy, but he had just lost his mom three months prior to my mom almost dying. Right. So due to the month, I don't know what month it is exactly. January. Before, yeah. January, February, yeah, January, February, March, three months. And this was 2019. So March and then April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. So eight months later, after finding Nick Bear's channel, after my mom almost died, is when I ran the turkey trot eight months later. And this was when I saw him run training for his Ironman. And I was obsessed with Nick Bear. Uh, I mean, I still am. <laughs> He's amazing. But um, he literally just transformed my mind in fitness right like i had already made the steps to like want to do it i was already motivated and so having him there and like see himself push himself and i just connected so deeply with his story with what happened with his mom and like how she passed away and my mom mm -hmm. almost died so like instantly linked to that and i was i watched every single video he had from the past to now like i just rewatched all his youtube channel and I was just so moved by his message. And I didn't, at first when I watched him, I didn't know VPN was his company, which a lot of people kind of didn't know that at first because they find him through YouTube at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I start seeing him post a bunch of stuff about VPN, blah, blah, blah. So I follow them. And then I link two and two together. And I'm like, oh, this is Nick Bear's supplement company. <laughs> and I had no idea what supplements were. I, yeah. I I had no idea about that world. And I remember um, reaching out to their DMs saying like, oh, hey, like, I love Nick Barron what he's about. And like, I didn't know this was his company, but like, I told him my story. I was like, yeah, like, I almost lost my mom at 300 pounds. And I saw that they were having, you know, the OG, like, uh, ambassador team. Yep. Um, I think uh, at that time, Daniel Clanton was working there. And I DM'd him too because I, I saw that he was like working with the ambassadors. And at this time, I think they only had like seven or eight ambassadors. Um, and I, and the, yeah, the seventh ambassador they added was Adam Plink, which you met. Mm, yeah. <laughs> which I, 
I shortly had found them during that time. And I want, I was like, I want to be a part of this team. Right. But at that time I had no, nothing on my social media. Literally it was just like a few pictures here and there. Right. So like they, they couldn't really like know who I was, my personality, blah, blah, blah. So I apply, I like, he like wanted to interview me. Um, and then, so I interviewed with him and I, I didn't get into the program, obviously. Um, and then ever since that day that I got declined to be on the ambassador program, I applied every quarter. So I think I applied like three times be with Daniel Clanton and then like another two times with Adam. Hmm. So I, I don't, something like that. I think around five or six times is how long it took me to become an ambassador for VPN. Um, yeah. But yeah, just being, finding that community, Nick Bear hat, like the VPN community, that and then making connections with people in that community um following the ambassadors and really just diving into that community like that is what kept me alive and going like that gave me the motivation that i needed when the other motivation was gone right yeah and having people that are so like into fitness and like-minded and pushing you to be better like that is what helped me like keep going and transforming throughout my journey um mm -hmm. so yeah like it it was Let's see, last, yeah, last summer, or even the summer before that is when I decided to run my first half marathon. Um, because I had run a 5K and then I was obsessed with it, ran so many 5Ks that it became easy. And then I started pushing myself to run like five miles. And so once I hit the five mile mark, I was like, oh my gosh, I can do a 10K now. So yeah. then I ran a 10K and then I was like, oh my God, what's the next step from here? Oh, a half marathon, let's do it. So I signed up for the Lululemon half marathon. Um, it was a virtual one. So at this point, I believe COVID had just hit or was about to hit, if I'm correct. I can't remember what yeah. date. I think it hit like somewhere in December. I don't remember. Early, COVID. early. It was a little after COVID had just started and, and um, things started getting kind of shut down. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, so that's when I, I really like started getting into distance running was during COVID because all the gyms are starting to shut down and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to lose all my, like, you know, all the stuff I've done in the gym, like I'm going to lose progress. And mm -hmm. that's when I was like, well, I can run literally. I have mountains out here everywhere. I look, there's mountains and trails in Nevada. So it's like, why not start running yeah. outside? And that's when I got into running outside. Like it was the most amazing thing that could have happened to me. It was really falling in love with running. And then also um, just watching Nick inspire me through his Ironman training and then later on Absolutely. his first marathon. So yeah, that that's what kind of got me into running. And then once I ran the half marathon, it wasn't until a few months later where the peak second wave of COVID had hit, I think, and I got laid off for my job. Um, so when I got laid off, um, it, it was kind of hard. I had to move back home. And then I basically was living off savings. And that's when I really had time to just nail down and focus on my fitness. Cause I was like, well, I'm, yeah. I'm interviewing and applying to jobs, not getting anywhere. Um, so I had three, four months of no work four maybe five months of no work. Um, and then those three, four months is when I really buckled down on like, going to the gym every day, focusing on nutrition. And that's when I really got obsessed with it and started like researching macronutrients and all the nine yards. And then 
I mean, watching Nick's channel, I learned tons of stuff from him, right? Because he's yeah. so ed- all the content that he puts out is like super educational. Um, and then yeah, so hit watching Nick stuff, and then like Christian Guzman, he's like into bodybuilding and stuff. I was obsessed with him and Steve Cook. Like those two guys also helped me a lot because um, mm-hmm. they talked a lot about nutrition and and fitness and like how to lose weight, how to gain weight, how to get more muscle. So like I just became obsessed and like. I was spending all my free time learning about nutrition and learning about mm-hmm. fitness and how to get, you know, in better shape and how to run a marathon, how to run, you know, it was just an obsession. It still is. Mm-hmm. And um, that's when I decided last summer I wanted to run my first marathon. But as you know, COVID lasted what, like two and a half, three years. Yeah. <laughs> so nothing, no races were happening last summer. And that's i think it was last summer i'd have to look back at the dates i'm so bad at remembering dates um but i decided to hire my first training or marathon coach jeff depew this guy taught me everything i know about distance running so shout out to jeff depew if you're hearing this you're the man um he helped me train for my first marathon um everyone asked me like oh what marathon are you gonna run and i was like it's my personal marathon. I'm running it for me. And I didn't, I didn't care about medals. I didn't care about a race. The whole thing for me was enjoying the journey, learning how far I can push myself. I know I can push my limits and being able to even just finish a marathon. I had no time goal, nothing Mm -hmm. for me. It was like, I want to prove to myself that if I set my mind to this, I can accomplish it. And I mean, I remember being terrified because running a half marathon for me, that hurt so bad. I remember like being able to barely finish 13 miles, right? Um, so even jump, I mean, jumping into a marathon, I was like, oh man, I mean, I can run 13 miles now pretty well, but like having to do that twice, that is insane. Like it was just <laughs> not, it wouldn't click in my head. And that's when I knew I was like, man, well, how it happened was I posted on my Instagram. I was like, uh, I, I think I'm going to challenge myself to run a full marathon. If any of you guys have advice or tips, let me know. I didn't even hire a coach at that point, but Jeff commented because at this point I had already made a lot of friends in the BPN community and ambassadors. And somehow Jeff saw my post mm-hmm. and he commented and said, Hey, like, if you ever need help, let me know. And I immediately DM'd him and I was like, yes, I need help. I don't know anything about distance running. <laughs> I was like, would you be willing to coach me? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is what helped spark his business now. He's now a a running coach and a triathlon swimming coach with his brother. And uh, it's called uh, Multi... Or gosh, I can't... I'll have to look back, but I can't remember. It's like Lone Stars Multi-Sports, I believe. Okay. Um, And so that like sparked him and his brother to start their coaching business after i they trained me during my or he trained me during my first marathon um and so i yeah i worked up my way and trained and ran a four hour 17 minute marathon on my first marathon which was incredible given the fact that it was my first marathon and it was like 80 percent humidity that day um but no it was i couldn't have gone better for my first marathon and that was incredible. So after that first marathon, I was like, man, 
I I have always wanted to challenge myself in like my body physique wise. I never really thought about it till after losing more weight. I was like, ooh, like how yeah. cool would it be to have muscle mass? Like all these guys that I see on like Instagram, right? I'm like, if they can do it, I feel like I can do it too. I just got to find a way. So I thought I wanted to go into bodybuilding right after that first marathon. But little, I mean, everything happens for a reason. I see um, BPN post. They're going to have a go one more marathon. And I was like, okay, put bodybuilding on hold. We are going to train for another marathon. So I trained. I was like, I call up Jeff and I'm like, dude, I'm going to try to get a ticket to that. I didn't even say I'm going to try. I said, we're going to do the G1 marathon. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I don't care if I don't get a ticket. I'm making my way out to that marathon somehow. Yeah. And I remember by that morning when the tickets went on sale, I was about to go into a hiking trail and lose service. And they posted it. I mean, I had been ref- refreshing my phone all day to like get on the page. And boom, it like loaded the link. I was able to log in. Um, and I, it was through this like weird running sign up thing. And I somehow, because I ran that 5K before, was why I was able to like auto log in because it saved my information yeah. from the 5K that I ran. And I was this like, wow, funny. this is so meant to be. <laughs> so I like I got through, got onto the ticket. And I remember, um, because I I've I've known Adam Clean for a while now because I've supported him as an ambassador all the way through athlete and now to now. So like he DM'd me and was like, dude, you got into the G1 and marathon. And I was like, what? Oh my God. I was flipping out, dude. I was flipping out. I was like, yeah. I can't believe it's happening. Like, I'm gonna get to go meet all these people that have literally changed my whole life. And so Jeff DePew helped me train for that marathon as well. And mm-hmm um so during all that training i documented every single run i did um if you followed me i don't know if you followed me during that time but i posted every run every day for those 16 weeks that i trained it was a daily post of me running and what i did for the the run um and i would show like things i struggled with um injuries i acquired things i learned so i kind of just showed people the whole process of running the marathon yeah. And people love that. They're like, if this guy can do a marathon, like, why can't I do it? Right. And so that was the whole point for me on posting social media is like, I, me, my whole goal is to help inspire others, empower them so that they believe in themselves to do things that they never thought were possible. Like, that's my mission in life is to tell my story so that I can somehow help others believe in themselves and know that they are worthy enough to do whatever they set their mind to. So that's like my mission in life. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I documented that whole journey of my marathon. Um, so, I mean, you can imagine how amazing it was when I was there. Like I was, it was just like, a, I was, I thought I was on a cloud. Like I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, trying to absorb it. Like you see all these people with like their phones out recording, taking pictures with people. I did not, I couldn't. Like I was literally yeah. trying to absorb it. I was like, I can't believe this is real. And um, no, meeting so many people from the community that day, that was life changing. And then uh, meeting like the BPN team. And um, I had to work up the guts to go say hi to Nick. I mean, even <laughs> till this day, I get nervous to try to go talk up to Nick. And I have a story about that. Yeah, it's it's because I like he's literally like I idolized him. Right. So it's like to see yeah. him and I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what to say. 
Um, so I asked my friend Cody, you met Cody. Yep. Sada. Yeah. And I was like, Cody, uh, this was post marathon after he had given me a hug and like meddled me. Um, I literally waited till like 30 minutes after that to build up the courage and say, Hey, Cody, do you want to come with me? I might ask Nick Bear for a picture. So we go down and like, Hey, Nick, like, my name is Lewis. I want to introduce myself. He's like, Oh, I recognize you from social media. And I was like, Oh, oh, I don't even know what I said. Like, I was blacking out, dude. <laughs> and I just remember, like, I don't even remember that conversation because I was just so stoked to talk, like, be next to Nick there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Cody was like taking pictures of us. And Nick's like, Oh, you guys want a picture together? And like, I wasn't processing it. And I was like, Oh, it was really nice to meet you. And like I wasn't processing him <laughs> yeah. if I wanted another picture with Cody. And I, and I was like, oh, yeah. do you want a picture with me, Cody? And so Cody gets in with me. And then one of I who took that picture? Oh my God, I blocked out during that moment. But someone took yeah. the picture for us. And there's a picture of me, Cody, and Nick. And so that picture was amazing because we were both coached by Jeff, which yeah. was a super special moment. So we mm -hmm. sent that to Jeff afterwards and he's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like both my mm -hmm. runners and Nick in one picture. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, no, that whole experience was like life changing for me and being a part of that community was everything to me. So that, that trip down there to run that marathon solidified everything I felt for BPN, Nick Bear and that community. Like to me, it became family, like just everyone is so welcoming tight knit and like everyone's willing to help you um they're there supporting you on whatever you're doing like it's just the most uplifting community to be a part of and there's nothing like it and that's mm -hmm. what i mean now i i get to say i'm an ambassador for them which is i mean till this day it's mind-blowing but let's go i mean yeah. i had that i had that goal of becoming an ambassador for over three i mean probably like close to three years yeah. i would say um and i learned so much through that whole journey too just i i think the most important thing i learned through that journey was um believing in myself loving myself and then showing up as my authentic authentic self and showing others who i am what happened to me and like why i can help them right um and for me that yeah. was just sharing my story about what happened to my mom and then like showing going from 308 pounds to now as a marathoner at that point and then now post marathon is when i was like all right now it's time to bodybuild yes and again one of the ambassadors at the time i don't think they're no longer an ambassador with us but um he and i had become friends over social media for a while and um i i was like hey like he said he posted on his Instagram. He's like, oh, I will be taking on one on one clients soon, but I only have like two spots or he's like one spot. Like he was just barely trying to like start his business yeah. or I think he already had it, but not really. He was still trying to solidify everything. Mm -hmm. um, and I asked him if I could, you know, work with him. And here we are today. <laughs> it's yeah. been what, 27 weeks now um, bodybuilding. So, yeah, it's been quite the learning experience and i mean my body transformation from 308 pounds to marathoner to now i mean it's mind-blowing like it is i went from being like super thin as a marathoner i think my lightest was like 180 185 ish somewhere in that range 
to bulking up to, I think by my second, the G1N marathon, I had already like gained some weight because I knew I wanted to go into bodybuilding. And so I got up to 200 pounds again. And then after G1M is like when I really got serious with it with my coach and we decided mm-hmm. to go into a bulk up to 216 pounds. And then after that bulk, we decided to do a mini cut and the mini cut kind of got extended because I had to travel here and there. And so my, my routines were thrown off a bit. Um, and I cut back down to like 206 pounds was my cut. And then now I've been bulking again. I actually will be weighing in tomorrow, but I think last week I weighed 211 pounds. So we're starting to build up again. Um, I'm super excited to put on size, man. I love, I love, love eating. So it's like being able to bulk is so much fun. I mean, it's hard to eat a lot of food now because it's wholesome food, right? So it's not, you don't get to eat like all this crazy junk food that's, you're just like, oh my God, so good. It's like, you're literally eating wholesome foods like rice, broccoli, veggies, spinach, salads, chicken breast, um, ground beef, ground turkey, eggs, egg whites, oatmeal, right? So it's like, you're eating high volumes of very, very nutritious, clean food, right? So sometimes it, when you're bulking, it, it it can get hard to eat that many calories because it's like just that. so filling, right? Um, yeah. So yeah, now that's how I'm in, I got into bodybuilding. I've <laughs> always wanted to like try to see how I can transform my body muscle wise. Um, I just never knew how because like I knew how to lose weight. Mm-hmm. But building muscle, man, that is a whole nother ballgame. And that takes a whole different type of like um, discipline. discipline for sure. Yeah. I mean, both running and uh, weight training and bodybuilding, they are both a very disciplined sport, um, but they challenge you in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think running for me challenged me more um, mentally, I would say where bodybuilding is an aspect of mental, but also very physically challenging, right? I mean, both are physically challenging, but I feel like weight training is almost like all more physical where running is very mental. It's definitely a very mental thing. Um, But when you can combine both, I mean, yeah, it's just, it's challenging all around. Mm -hmm. I think the dream is to be a hybrid athlete like Nick, right? Everyone wants to do that. So in order to do that, you have to be really good at both at separate times in your life. So you need to be able to build that aerobic base and then you need to be, you need to give yourself a long time to be able to build that mass and mm-hmm. uh, muscle mass. And when you get to that point, then you can combine both, right? You yeah. can't, you can't try to be like super lean and gain muscle at the same time. You got to give yourself time to do both separately. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Right now. I'm in that current stage where I've lost the weight. I've been able to maintain it off. Now I'm at the point where I can transform my body and, and get, gain more muscle, right? Yep. So now I'm gaining weight purposefully. Whereas before when I was overweight, I was like, I was just gaining weight. I yeah. didn't know how to use that ability to gain weight and turn it into like muscle, right? Mm-hmm. So it's been such a cool learning experience. It's tough. I mean, I'm in the gym, um, I think an hour to an hour and a half every day in the mornings. So I, if you follow me on my Instagram stories, like I, I, you know, I try to like show people like my morning routine yeah i like wake up at five i try to eat my breakfast and i'm out to the gym by like six in the morning um then i work out to like seven and seven seven thirty and then i get to work by like seven forty five eight um go, go, go. and then i work all day so i have like 10 hour shifts because i work four tens so 
um, a lot of the day I'm at work. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's yeah. you got to find that like you will make time for what's important to you, right? And to me, my health and fitness, like that's my number one top priority. So I will always find a way to fit it in no matter what point of life I'm in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, dude, that was, there's a lot to unpack there, but there's a funny, <laughs> there's, there's a funny story that I told my mom because I remember it because it, it cracked me up and it was just a sick moment. So we were there, it was Saturday at the after party in Austin and I just walked over to you and uh, Logan. Logan, oh, yes. he's a cool guy. Yes, um, and we're standing there and we're talking and then you start saying like, man, I wish Nick would just come over here. And you look over to your <laughs> left and Nick is walking to us. And it's like, a, dude, it's like, you uh, read yes. And you go, oh, like you made this with your hands. Did I really? I literally was like, oh, shit. Because I remember yeah. um, I was I was showing. Um, it's funny if if you ever watch this, Nick, you probably won't have time to ever watch this in your life. But yeah, uh, he so Logan and I had done a collab reel. Mm hmm. Um, of like our ambassadorship kind of announcement thing. So we yeah. did like a workout together at Andrew's house in his gym. We call it Zoe's gym. Mm. Uh, shout out to Zo- Zoe's gym. <laughs> and uh, we posted the reel and it just it like took off. And I remember looking at my phone and I saw like Nick Bear like to reel. And this was during like, like right before you arrived at the party. And I was like, yeah. dude, did you just see who liked our reel, Logan? <laughs> And I, and I was like, man, I was like, I wish we could go like talk to Nick right now. And as I turned around that moment, he's literally walking over to us. Yeah. And that's like, yeah. he's like, hey, what's up? You know, and like, well, I was like, you know what happened? You were there. <laughs> yeah. It was, but that sick. was such a cool moment. Like, I was like, oh my God, like, no, Nick Bear knows who I am. And that's just like, he did. It's such a surreal feeling. Like, someone that you like look up to so much and respect come over to like congratulate you and, yeah. you know tell you like you know you're part of the family and teams so, of yeah it's just like the biggest circle moment of my life you know i it mean was... the marathon was the first time that i met him and yeah. then now personally talking to him a little bit more um and like wow that was just crazy it was yeah. a, it was a excuse my french but it was badass he yes, just it was. came over and i was like oh. yeah he and... literally just like handshake and hugs me uh-huh. and i was like Dude, Nick Bear what? just came up to me. Yeah, no, it was the most. I mean, life changing. <laughs> so yeah, it was. It was. It was awesome, man. Yeah, but also, like, dude, your story is so so familiar and like relatable. And I don't know how much time you have because I could talk for quite a while about it. <laughs> um, up to you. Yeah, I, I could uh, probably go a little bit longer. Okay, but yeah, there's just a lot of things that you talked about that I related on. A lot of levels like <clears throat> it's kind of hard to talk about without starting from the beginning yeah. but yeah just the transition from just losing weight um basically i didn't start on the elliptical like you mm. and i guess there's like one defining moment where my dad and i our relationship was as at its worst and this was about march 15th of 2019 somewhere in there right before my birthday which is the 21st and my dad, we got into it, and I, I'm pro- I was probably being a punk. I'm not entirely sure, but we got face to face, and he spit in my face, and I thought we were gonna fight, and 
I remember just like God put his hand on my shoulder. I don't talk about this much because I hate like my dad's not a bad person. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't know how to show empathy. And right. I'm, you know, and he spit in my face and I just like, oh, I just wanted to fight him, you know, like it's like it's mm-hmm. on. And <clears throat> I didn't. I walked out, went outside and I was crying by the time I touched the door handle to go out. And I sit down at uh, one of our sheds and I just started praying. And I was like, God, I, I never want to feel that again. I never want him to feel like he could do that to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm his son. Why? Why this? Yep. And <clears throat> I was just like, you know, I need to make this change. I'm going to make a change to where he won't do that to me because I won't be fat. I won't, he won't be able to call me fat. That's one thing he liked to do. He liked to call me fat boy all the time. Still does. Did it the other day. Um, wow. But anyways, so that happened. I was like, you know, this is my defining moment. And then April comes around. And at this time, I was kind of having chest pains. And I was I was thinking maybe it's anxiety. That's what my mom was saying. And uh, I went to the doctor. And this was about April. And they told me, like, hey, your blood work, it's not great, but it's not terrible. You know, like for a 17-year-old, 16-year-old kid, it's not great. And I was like, okay, well, what do I need to do? And they're like, well, I weighed 329 pounds at the time. And that's the highest I've ever seen it. And I'm 6'4 for people listening. So, I mean, it makes sense. Um, And he's like, you know, if you continue like this, you're going to die really young, Gage. And I was like, okay, that's not good. And yeah, so during that April, I really just thought about it. I was really angry at my dad. I was angry at the world. And then I met this girl. Long story short, we actually ended up dating. We broke up. All that happened. (laughs) High school, you know. And, you know, yeah, I think it was more like May. I started to work out. And at the time, I was working at Pizza Hut. And I'll get into more why as to why that's important. But it hits May 2019. And I remember I started on a treadmill. Because I figured, you know, more you run, more you do cardio, the more weight you're going to lose. And I remember I I see this. I work at the gym that I started working at, at, working out at. And I see this exact same treadmill all the time. And I think back to hopping on that treadmill. I'm really anxious. I'm terrified. I feel like I'm being judged. And I started to just run as far as I could, as fast as I could. It wasn't right. And I would just keep doing it over and over. And I could just, I would look into that mirror or the reflection of the the window. And I just started sculpting who I wanted Gage to be and what he wanted to look like. And it kept just like, one of these days, you know, my man boobs, they're not going to be jumping and hitting me in the face when I'm running. (laughs) Or, you know, I'm not going to be bouncing. (laughs) Yeah. This shirt's going to fit. Gage's face is going to look skinny. He's going to be confident. He's not going to feel judged. He's going to be able to open up to people. And over time, so that was really when I made the change. And the only thing I ate was Pizza Hut. Anytime I'd work, I'd just make a pizza and I eat the entire pizza. That's all I ate for months. And those months were some of the loneliest and darkest times of my life because I hated my dad with every bit of me. My mom still loved him. 
At the time, they divorced, got back together. They're at that back together stage. Uh, I just I couldn't be around him. And so anytime I could be at my mom's house while she was at my dad's and I was alone, um, all I would do is just work out and think about working out and I wouldn't eat. And during that time, I was playing a men's basketball league, and this is about the summer of 2019. Uh, I'd play, I'd work out in the mornings, I'd go and play basketball for two hours, go back to the gym, run on the treadmill for another hour, and I wouldn't need anything. And in about a five-month period, or about till August when my senior year started, I lost like 60, 65 pounds, and I was not feeling great, but I was... Like looking back, I definitely wasn't feeling great, but I felt great because it felt like I was actually doing something. And um, yeah, we get past all of that <clears throat> and I maintained it for a while. I got down all the way to 222 and I started at 329 and I was very malnourished and I never touched a weight. The only time I would ever work out is if I would be hitting biceps <laughs> because it was the only thing that made me feel confident. Because it was one of my strongest parts. And um, yeah, I just, I finally, I'm not sure what made me switch to just lifting weights. I think it was a confidence thing. It's like, oh, I'm skinnier now. Here's my chance to lift weights. And nobody would judge. And, you know, I feel like, and maybe you can add your two cents on it. But when you're a bigger person, I definitely feel like you're looked at differently and very like, yeah, like it's almost like you're underrated or like Yeah, it's I'm almost to... like people lose respect for you. Yes, like yeah, absolutely. I've noticed it now cuz I've put on like about 40 pounds <clears throat> since then. I don't know if it's healthy weight. I'm definitely not where I want to be. But even now I'm starting to see it. Like people do not respect you when you're skinnier or maybe even just more fit. You know, cuz they look as skinny as normal instead of just bigger as, you know, you're just fat and a loser. So that's how I felt. And we got into that and about, oh, I, I completely missed it. In March, I looked up, how do I lose weight? And I found Nick Bear. Wow. And I started following his journey. Yes. And at the time, I felt like I had no father figure. And I would look to Nick and what he said. And I thought it was like, he's telling me this. That's how I how I felt. And he was almost like my father figure for a long time. But yeah, I started just running every single day. It sucked. I didn't eat, lost a lot of weight. And then I maintained and then I started lifting. And that's when the real changes started to happen. I was getting a lot stronger, a lot more like I had more mass and I was healthier, but I was also putting on healthier weight. So I was about 235, 240 once I started eating enough <laughs> mm -hmm. and um but yeah and then i started lifting and then i started running and last year um in july i just left this internship that absolutely broke me and it was a door-to-door -door sales job and <clears throat> i was working 80 hours a week i couldn't meal prep like i was i couldn't lift i was in louisiana it was the first time ever that I was alone and I remember, and this is really where I knew that what you said there at the end about inspiring people and changing the way people think about themselves. Cause I remember towards the end of that job or internship, instead of knocking on that door to sell to people like to sell them, mm -hmm. I would just, I just talk to them 
Like I, I initially approached them like it was a sales talk. And then I'd get in there and I'd honestly would just zone out on the sales pitch and I'd just have conversations with them. And I had so many different perspectives because I, I talked to like 2,200 families, I think it was, in about 60 days. Wow. And I remember I walked into this house and they're extremely, extremely poor. And I can remember their last name was the Campbells. <clears throat> and I walked in and I see this broken mom. You could just tell she's going through it. She had no money. You could tell she was struggling. She had like eight kids. And I remember walking into that house and I just, I completely stopped talking about sales. I just talked to her. And I remember I left that house and I prayed for them before I left because I'm a Christian and I prayed for them <clears throat> and her entire demeanor of just having my presence there. Like she just was giddy. She was happy. Her kids were happy and just leaving that. And I was like, I want that feeling, you know, like I may not have made a direct impact on her, but just enough to inspire her in some way to make her feel better. Any of that is like, I feel like that was my calling. And that's why I'm also doing firefighting now. Cause I feel like I can have those very personal, surreal moments with people. Um, but yeah. And then, wow. <laughs> Yeah. And July hits. I left it because uh, I was actually bowling in college and my coach was just like, Hey, you, you haven't been practicing, you know, you've been working 80 hours a week. Do you still want to be a part of this team? Um, you need to, you need to come back and bowl. And I was like, okay, I just devoted two months of my life to this internship. You know, it's became kind of my everything because it's where I felt alive. Cause I would have such great conversations with people and I ended up leaving and I came home and all those old habits came back with the binge eating, stressing, feeling like I was worthless. My dad, he was looking at me. He's like, why are you back? Like, you're a failure. Basically, you're a failure. You lied. You said you were going to get through it. You're a quitter. And it sunk in my brain. And about August 1st is when I met Somewhere in or end of July, I met Joe Rinaldi. I'm sure you probably know who that is. Mm -hmm. And Joe and I are really close. And I asked him, kind of like you asked Jeff, I was like, hey, I need help coaching. I want to run a half marathon. I need, I need, I was trying to find something that I could commit to to prove to myself I wasn't a quitter because that's how I felt. And Joe got back with me. Joe's a phenomenal person if you're listening to this because I'm sure you probably will. Um, Anyways, uh, so we start, I started running, I started feeling better. It was like that chance to really figure out like that solitude, solitude that people talk about. It's a very real thing when you run. It's also a very humbling sport. <laughs> yeah. And, and at, at the time I was about 260 right now, I'm about 265, 270. So for a year, it's not terrible, like weight gain or anything like that. Definitely not where I want to be. And, uh, where was I? Yeah, I started running and I was just like, I'm going to, I saw that BPN marathon and I was like, I'm going to sign up for this sucker. And that morning I actually ran nine miles. It was my long run. Cause I think it was on a Friday. Yeah. My Fridays were on my, uh, my long runs. I ran nine miles and the whole time I was thinking, about, I was like, I'm going to see Nick bear. I'm going to meet all these people. I know I'm going to get it. Turns out I didn't get a ticket. I wasn't fast enough. And my heart was broken, dude broken Man. 
So yes. Hard. <laughs> yes. And then that's the time I found you actually. Really? Um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that's when I found you. And then I ended up finishing that mar- half marathon. It wasn't an official one. It was just a hundred percent on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I signed up for an official one, but I also bowled in college and the, it, conf- it conflicted without me knowing because I signed up like four months prior, but I finished the half marathon. And then I, I watched you guys from the distance that January. <laughs> wow. And yeah, so here we are. And so then to meet you guys this past weekend was the same moment you kind of felt when you went to the BPN marathon. You know, I, I, you know, I just had a very real moment with Nick. I was like, holy crap, this man's right in front of me. I just yep. shook his hand perfectly. This is going great. You know? <laughs> You know, this is Nick Bear right in front of me. This man has changed my life. Mm. And um, actually, before I went on that internship is when I got to go one more tattoo. Because I was like, this is going to be my remembrance that from where I came from Mm. and where I can go, as long as I continue to apply this to my life. And yeah, so it's a very surreal moment. And a lot of things that you said clicked with me instantly. So I appreciate you sharing all of that. Yeah, I've never course. I've never opened up on this podcast like that this first I, time. I don't think I've ever completely dived into my story like that either. So I mean, it's an honor to be able to share it with you, and I hope yeah. whoever listens, I mean, knows that they can do anything they set their mind to. Um, it's all about your mindset, and really, like key things that helped me be able to sustain that lifestyle. And by the way, first I want to say like. Congratulations on your weight loss. I mean, that's super Thanks. incredible. Like, keep on going, man. Like you are doing an amazing job. And you know, I'm always here to support you on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I want to give people like the key things that like helped me sustain weight loss. And number one is community. Um yes. finding a community of like-minded people who strive to be better every single day and push to be better than they were yesterday and have that go one more mindset to really just become the best person that they can be all while like trying to help others inspiring them as well showing people that if you set your mind to something you can accomplish anything right and then number two is facing head on any trauma or anything that really like kind of held you back for a long time, you really need to face that head on and understand why mm-hmm. it affected you the way it did and try to heal that trauma. And then number three, um, consistency. I mean, consistency is the foundation to everything in life. If you want to be successful in anything you do, you need to be consistent in pushing yourself to grow. And in order to find growth, you have to be uncomfortable. Um, and you, like Nick Bear says all the time, growth is a choice. Absolutely agree with that. And in order to find growth, you the foundation is consistency. If you're consistently surrounding yourself with like-minded people who are going to make you motivated and inspire you, I don't like to say motivated because most of the people who do things are already motivated, so yeah. inspire people. And then um, you're just going to want to, be better, right? So that's like the key thing is surrounding yourself with like-minded people, believing in yourself, fixing that trauma and knowing your worth, right? It's like, 
if you know your worth, I mean, you're unstoppable. So if you can combine community, healing yourself, and staying consistent, um, if you take all of those foundation pillars and really build upon that, like you're unstoppable, man. Like you, yeah. your mindset will be so strong, like nothing can get in your way. Like life is hard, right? We're all gonna we're all gonna face hardship at some point in our life, maybe multiple times. I mean, not maybe it will happen multiple times. And if you can build the tool sets to help you deal with adversity, because right, we were overweight before. Why? Because we didn't know how to take adversity and shift it that energy into something positive and like release that, right? But now that I we're building those tool sets. And we understand how to take negative situations in life and really transform that into you, you mm-hmm. know that you can do anything you set your mind to, even if you're going through something hard, right? Yeah. So you always have to remind yourself of that and say, things are hard now, but we can get through this and we will get through it, right? And you just have to remember that. Keep that mindset. Like that's something I have to remind myself daily of is like, all right, this might be something hard I'm dealing with right now either in my professional career or outside with family or friend or just personal life. I have to remind myself that if something hard comes, I know I can get through it. Right. So just, you have to believe in yourself. You are your number one cheerleader in life. Your number one supporter. You have to be able to do things for yourself and just remember that you can do it. Like people are going to doubt you. And there's going to be many people who don't support you, but you have to be your biggest cheerleader because at the end of the day, when no one's copying for you, you have to be able to show up still. Right. So that's where that consistency is like key for me. Like, and I mean, being around that community too helps. Right. But yeah, the word consistency to me is everything like that, that discipline and going more like those are my, my top three for sure and community That's now true. of course yeah, yeah. Dude, the community part i feel like is i've taken that for granted because i've met so many great people here recently like community is it's honestly everything it makes so much makes everything so much easier it is yeah. i mean we go further together right it's like yeah i don't i see a lot of people who they try to do it themselves um and you know it they get some they get to a certain point where they're like okay i've made it this far but like now it's like i can't really proceed forward or go further and it's like well when you're surrounded by all these people it's gonna elevate you right that are like-minded they're gonna want to push you and see you succeed as well so being in the right group in the right community that's just gonna leverage you to you know accomplish even more goals than you thought were possible so Mm -hmm. for me like the communities that I'm a part of, um, they're so important to me. And the friendships I've made are the most, I mean, probably the best part of it, right? It's like, yeah. I've made some of my closest friends through social media, which is crazy to say, right? Because mm-hmm. you grow up with all these people and like, you don't really get to choose your friends when you're growing up, right? It's like, they're in your school. Yeah. Oh, friends. But now as an adult, it's like, you have the decisions and you get to make the choice of who you keep in your circle. And mm-hmm. I keep that circle tight. So it's like, so being a part of a community of people who are all like-minded like that and like push you to be better, like that circle is like, oh my God, it's everything, man. 
So, mm-hmm. and I'm glad you're a part of it too. Like, thanks. That's why we're talking right now. It's like so cool that we're both part of the BPN community. Um, yeah. And it's so special to like make friends like you, and especially hearing your story and how we can relate to so much stuff that we went through during mm-hmm. weight loss and like our whole journey. So, I mean, it's incredible to hear your story, man. Thanks. And likewise, man, it, uh, I'm honored to be in your circle as well. I get the the tightness. I get that. Yes, of course. But, so to end it off with the bang, cause there's so much talked about what is a message for future Lewis? For future Lewis. So yeah. I think for future Lewis, this one I've been thinking a lot about lately, actually. It's just been okay. surfacing a lot in my head. And it's following what I'm truly passionate about. And life is so short. I don't want to end up one day, you know, on my last breath saying, man, I what if I actually went after that? What if I did that? I don't want to ever think that way, right? So mm. for future Lewis, I'm telling you now, chase those passions relentlessly and go after what makes you happy because that's where you're, you're going to find the most fulfillment in life and you're going to be able to make a beautiful life out of that whereas if you stay stuck in something um that you're not very passionate about either that be professional um you know whatever it may be like just follow those passions and when you follow those passions I mean, that's just gonna, you're gonna live a life that you really wanna live, right? And it's not someone else's life, it's your life. Like you're the driver of your life. You get to choose where you wanna go. So, future Lewis, I really hope you choose that path to find your passion. I mean, I know my passion, but find that path to where I get to live that passion every single day. So, that's my, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. So, it's crazy that you asked that as a question. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, where can like people you read find my mind? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a good question. It, I like no, leaving those, those little moments, you know, for time that if you're ever in a dark place, just come back to it, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. But so where can people find you, Lewis? Uh, so I'm on Instagram and TikTok, and it's at Lewis Montoya. So at L. U U I S Montoya M O N T O Y A. Um, and cool. yeah, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram. I'll leave it in the show notes, but man, Lewis, I appreciate you coming on. This was great. Yeah. I mean, I'm so grateful to be here. I mean, really, thank you for inviting me to be here and tell my story. So I really hope yeah. other people resonate with our message and we can help someone through this. So that's I mean, the big goal. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Destination Discipline Podcast. If you found value in this episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you gave us a follow and review on the platform of your choice. Either way, I appreciate you so much. And if you'd like to connect with me or the guests, the information will be in the show notes below. Till next time, peace.